0: Uh, in the DMV area that are looking for more information on the college recruiting process uh, and, and just, you know, looking to uh, learn more about any area of the college recruiting process that they might have questions about. I think it can be a really uh, difficult process to navigate. As, as you mentioned, there's a lot of parts to it, uh, whether it's, you know, visiting campuses, contacting coaches, uh, putting together a highlight tape, uh, you know, how to communicate with coaches, NCAA rules that might exist you know, financial aid and and admissions. I think there's a lot of different uh, pillars that go into the college recruitment process. And, you know, unless you've really gone through the process uh, yourself or you've had like an older brother or older sister that maybe has gone to college, uh, it can be very confusing and I think overwhelming for for a lot of people. So uh, I think every club, you know, soccer club, tries to do something like this where they offer something to uh, their players and their families, whether it's a seminar, or, uh, you know, an educational night where they try to give a lot of information at one time. And I think it, it, even that night can be really overwhelming. So, uh, as as Jose said, I, I coach now with D.C. United's Youth Academy. I'm the U-15 head coach after being the U-19 and U-23 coach the last two years. Um, before that, I was with FC Cincinnati in Cincinnati, Ohio with uh, John Harkes as, as our head coach. And uh, Ryan Martin was our assistant coach, who's now the uh, head coach out at Loudoun United, which is DC United's USL affiliate. So, uh, and before those two experiences, I really had several college experiences that kind of helped to shape this idea for this this new adventure I have with kind of just educating players and parents. experience that I've had in the professional world and in the club world. But before that, uh, I had had, about, I had worked at six different colleges. Um, again, going backwards, the last college I worked at was, was Wake Forest, where Jay Vidovich was the head coach, a, a really well-known coach who's now the coach at uh, Pittsburgh uh, in, the, in the ACC. And then Bobby Muse came in, and I, I worked for Bobby Muse for uh, about a half of a year, uh, so, Wake Forest is a Division One school down in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. And uh, before that, I was with Ohio State, uh, Big Ten school. Obviously, everybody knows the the big football program and the uh, the basketball program, but I was there working with uh, the men's soccer program for a season. Um, so that was two Division One experiences that I had, where I worked at you know a, a really a massive school in Ohio State with 45,000 students. Uh, and Wake Forest is actually, I think, a lot smaller than a lot of a lot a lot of people might know. It only had about five thousand students when I was there. So, um, so over the last, you know, several years, I just kind of had always been working with these clubs and at these colleges where I had several different experiences of recruiting student athletes or being part of the recruitment process in different ways. And then at the clubs I had worked with, um, you know, I had I had kind of been the the college placement officer or college placement liaison who was working with these uh, families and parents to answer any questions that they might have. And it just kind of naturally rolled over into this Kish soccer placement uh, opportunity to help educate clubs, players, parents, uh, you know, in the DMV area. So, and before Ohio State, I had three or four division three experiences where I was at Frostburg State University, Capitol University, Emory & Henry College, and uh, I was a Division III athlete at Capital University in Columbus, Ohio, where I'm from. So that's kind of my story right now. And, uh, you know, obviously a a really good opportunity to jump on tonight with Jose and uh, just kind of answer any questions that the club might have, that Jose might have, that the community might have, and uh, just kind of, you know, um, get out there. Yeah, yeah, basically, I think that, you know, and help me out, uh, guys, with your
1: comments, please. I think more than anything is the introduction, right? I don't know if you want to start, uh, you know, from juniors and sophomore in, college, in high school now. Uh, kind of st- what they should be doing right now, All right, Because you know, I feel that uh, this is a, some this type of information is not really out there. Not everybody has it right. Everybody is has opinions on it, you know. But I think that if you're a junior or sophomore in high school, as a player.
0: And as a parent, what you should be doing? Yeah. So I, I think first of all, it's 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 knowing that it does. You don't have to be a junior or a senior in high school to uh, start your college recruiting process. You know, I think that's the that's a, a big misconception as well. You also have to realize that there are certain rules that are in place that certainly do affect uh, freshmen and, and sophomore uh, student athletes. So. The, and the rules really apply to Division One colleges. So, if you're a Division One college, Division One soccer program, Division One coaches, you know, coaching staff, that's who has the 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 most uh, influential restrictions on them. So there's there's restrictions on when they can contact student athletes. There's restrictions on when they can have contact with you off of campus. There's restrictions on what they can text back and email back. Whereas Division two, division three and NAIA schools and and coaching staffs, they don't have those same restrictions. So I think that's why the process is really difficult to understand and sometimes to explain is because not all coaches and not all colleges have to follow the same rules.
1: Okay, so on division one, the players
0: are allowed to contact the coaches at any time. Is that correct? Players, if you're in eighth grade, you can send a coach an email. You just – they'll be limited in what the coach can send back. So, if that's why I say it's never too early to start your recruiting process. So, it just becomes a bit unrealistic because a player in eighth grade or a player in ninth grade even is going to change so much by the time he gets to be a recruitable age as a junior, you know, or as a senior. So, what what ends up happening is that uh, that player's interests are going to change. That player – uh, you know, his financial situation might change, his grades might change, you know, as a player, he will change, he's going to have different interests. Um, and the reason that, you know, th- that these colleges have these restrictions, you know, on student athletes, where they can't talk to them until they're juniors and, and seniors, uh, is because, you know, they don't want the, the, the recruiting world to be too crazy, right? They don't want freshmen and sophomores to, to be, you know, getting taken over by these scouts and these agents so early. And, so they can enjoy their high school experience as well. So, um, you know, but a player, there's never restrictions on a player. Uh, you know, they can, they can step, on, step foot on a campus. They can send an email. They can send a text. They can make a call. It's just the response from the college coach and the coaching staff that will be limited and will be restricted.
1: Okay. That's, so if that's... you step
0: foot on a campus as a freshman, there's going to be certain things that that coaching staff is allowed to talk to you about and certain things that they're not. If you right, step so, foot on if you step foot on a campus as a senior, it's going to be all in. You know th- those those rules will be lifted. So, so what do you what do you what do you expect?
1: What everybody talks about visits visits right to schools? Can you explain how do you arrange a visit, um, and what
0: does the player and the parents expect out of it? Yeah, so you know I think there's a couple ways you can go about the visits. Uh, again, the, the the first one is is you have to keep in mind the rules and the restrictions. Where an unofficial visit or an official visit, they have to take place basically, you know, in the in the junior year. So it has to it has to be something where, um, if the if this coaching staff sets up an unofficial visit or an official visit, it has to happen basically after the summer, leading into their junior into their junior year. So. You know, If it's set up by a coaching staff and they, they want to set up a visit for a, a player to come to a campus, uh, the, the coaching staff will guide the player through that. They'll say, come to campus, meet at this time. Uh, you know, Here's where we're going to meet on campus. Here's what the tour, what, the, what your outline of the day is going to be. We're going to take a campus tour. Then we're going to go see the soccer fields. Then we're going to have lunch. and We're going to sit down in the coach's office. That's one way. You go through the coaching staff. Another way is you just set the visit up yourself through the admissions office, just because you want to go out and you want to see um, the campus yourself. And you don't, you don't go through the coaching staff at all. Again, there's no rules that will be broken because you're going through the admissions office and the admissions office is always going to want to get, you know, anybody on campus. So you can also just wander onto the campus and you don't have to contact anybody. You know, the University of Maryland is, is open all day long. You can go to the campus, you can go to a soccer game there, and if it doesn't go through the coaching staff or go through admissions, you know, it's fine. But I think what's important is that these players and sometimes parents, uh, they have to get on campuses to see what they what what they like. You know, is the school too big for them? Is the school too small for them? Um, you know, how far away is the school from home? Does that make you uncomfortable? Does that make you more comfortable? And then the, the, the players and the parents, they really have to do their research about you know the finance the finances of the school and the academic requirements of the school, otherwise they're kind of wasting their time to go and visit you know
1: okay that's that's uh now uh I don't know if you can see the comments there I think the people asking questions you be more than free to uh go ahead and answer any questions that you've uh liked, Nate.
0: yeah, I saw one that said kind of what's what's the hierarchy in in soccer is that right yeah. Is there a hierarchy of programs that colleges recruit from? Um, yeah, I mean, I think I think coaches are always looking for good players, you know, and there's good players everywhere, especially in, in this area. It's a really soccer-rich area, you know. So you have Academy, obviously. Obviously, there's been a, a big announcement lately about uh, the Academy kind of disbanding and uh, U.S. Soccer no longer sponsoring a development Academy. But you had the Academy, you had – Uh, You know, USYS clubs, you had US club soccer clubs, you had, you know, the ODP programs, you had high school soccer. So uh, every club is, is, you know, reporting to a state association and they're under one of these banners. Um, But I think it's the job of of college coaches to find good players. And if you go to the academy showcase, you know, that we just, we went to every, we go to an academy showcase in December and one in the, in the summer. If you go to those events, you know, pretty much every Division One and, you know, big-time coaches in the country are at that event. So everybody's there seeing the same players, whereas, you know, a, a random EDP game or a random high school game might not have as many coaches there, but you never know who could be in the stands watching, you know. So I think that uh, there's there's obviously really popular publicized events, and then there's other events and one-off games that – coaches go to as well. So um, I don't think there's a a hierarchy per se. I think that there's popular events that have become like recruiting hubs. And, you know, it's, it's known if you go there, you can see a lot of players at one time. And I think that's important. College coaches want to go somewhere where they're not going to spend a lot of money. They want to travel once, right? They want to take one flight and see a lot of games over a weekend and then go home they don't have the budgets to just go around the country and see whatever games they want whenever they want. It, and they don't have the time to do it. It just doesn't work like that. So I would say there's more of a hierarchy of, like, events, you know, like these big-time events and big-time tournaments. I know you guys went down to Disney, right, Jose? Yeah, that, that was with the younger guys. But that we, we, I've done
1: it in the past. I done, I've, yeah. been down, I've been down to Disney. I've been down to, uh, I've been to Dallas Cup as well. I know that's a big event that a lot of coaches come out to, you know? Yeah. Uh, just, but just, uh, uh, Larry Lopez just asked, he said, how hard is it to uh, get a division one scholarship?
0: Yeah, it's, it's, uh I always like to say, if you're good enough, it's, it's easy. You know, like if you're good enough and you have the right exposure, um it's easy. So, you know, it's, it's like, just think of who some of the best players that you've ever played with are. And, you know, the majority of them probably have been successful in the game somewhere. They've, gotten to an academy, they've gotten to a college, they've made it professionally, wh- whatever it might be. Everybody can think of that yeah, handful of Nate, players that are like- Nate,
1: Nate, can I interrupt you there? Because I think there's something that I want you to be, and we haven't touched that yet. And I want to get to that. I think it's a good point to do that. Uh, a good moment right now in the conversation to bring that up. How important are academics? Everybody talks about you know how good they are at, soc- at, at, at soccer, like I said at the beginning of this conversation. But, you know, we hardly pay attention to the SAT scores, you know, the grades and all these other things that are extremely important that uh, it kind of dictate what kind of player or what kind of person this kid is.
0: Right. Yeah, for sure. No, I think it kind of goes hand in hand with how hard is it to get a Division one scholarship? I mean, it's it's not all about you on the field. You know, it's they're recruiting a, a student athlete. They're recruiting somebody who has to come to school and perform at the school. You have to maintain a certain GPA at the school. You, you know, you can't be, you know, acting up and breaking the rules at the school. So I think there's a lot of different things like that that, that go into it. Um, so, yeah, I think you have to do well academically. You have to, in order to get a Division I scholarship to any school, you have to get into the school. You have to be accepted to the school. So if we stay with Jose's point there, it's like academically, you have to get into the school. So if the best, you know, Georgetown University won the won the 2019 NCAA men's soccer championship, so they were the best college soccer team for, you know, men's soccer last year. It's one of the most challenging academic institutions in the country. You know, in the world probably. So it's like it, it's one of the most difficult places in the in the country uh to get into academically. Um so if you just look at that, even if Georgetown comes out and they really like you as a player, if you can't get into the school, there's nothing they can do for you, you know? So you really, really have to focus academically. You have to find a way to test well. You can take the, you know, the ACT and the, the SAT multiple times if you don't score well. Um, so there, there, there are several things that you can uh, you can do to continue to raise your, your GPA and your, your SAT. But, you know, if you miss school or you skip school and, uh, you know, you do that your freshman year, and you don't think it's gonna come back to, to haunt you later on and it's like you you're you're wrong. It's it, it all adds up and a GPA you can't get rid of some of the classes that you took, you know, it, it adds up. So and then you just talk about the soccer side of it. It's like soccer right now, you look at the majority of division one college soccer rosters, they have foreign players on the roster. Right? So they have players from France and England and you know Brazil and different parts of of Africa and different parts of Europe and um, it's not just about being the best player in in the DMV or in the country. It's like you have to be one of the best young players in the world right now like that's that's what this soccer market is becoming you know so uh players are going profession profession signing professional contracts and uh, making that move earlier and earlier. Uh, but players are also interested in coming to the United States from all around the world, and uh, just every every big market in the in the country has good players. So it's really really difficult to to find these Division One scholarships. So let me
1: ask you this: as a coach, you go to a uh, to a big event, you know, to a tournament, a Disney Showcase, for instance, right? And you look at a player that on the field it looks something that your program could use what are you thinking what is the next step as as a, as a coach that you look into
0: yeah so i think you're always looking at you know coaches want to follow the rules right so they're going to see if he's a, a recruitable contactable age so if he's a junior or senior that you know they, they can send him uh an email that has more information in it than just like inviting them to camp if you're a freshman and sophomore the coaches can send you an email or add you to like an email list but it's probably going to be more of hey you know, we really, we, uh, we just wanted to invite you to camp more than anything. It's like, that's the the basis of what they can do. They can't say they liked you. They can't say the, why they liked you. They can't say where they saw you. It's, you know, how can we get this kid to camp so that we can see him more and start the process? So it will be common that a lot of coaches will start that conversation with an invite to camp. And a lot of coaches do recruit from their camp. You know, they identify you out playing with Total Football Club or, D.C. United or, you know, Baltimore Celtic or whatever it might be, and they invite you to a, to a camp, and they go from there. Now, if you're a junior or senior, they can go right after you. They can go at you right away, and they can say, I really like the way you played left back. I thought you did this really well. You know, we want to bring you to campus. We want to continue to, to talk to you. So email, is, email and I would say a text or a phone call. Every coach, every coach kind of has a different way they go about it. But it's important that you know whenever you go to these showcases, you also like you you have your your information is out there. Your coach has the information, or you your your team managers put together you know contact brochures to pass out to the college coaches that are there watching. And your information, you need to make sure it's right. So if your email is one letter off or your phone number is one letter off one number off, you're not going to get called or emailed. You know, so it's like you want to make sure that. Uh, you're giving the, the coaches a chance to see you. And the coaches are good. They, they know how to contact the, the club coach or the high school coach and they track down the player, you know? So they say, you know, Coach Kish, who was the uh, who was the right back wearing number four? And we tell him who the player was and give them the contact information and kind of go from there. Now, how how early
1: is it worth it? Because obviously these camps are not cheap. I, I want to make sure the parents understand is talking about, He's talking about going into summer camps. Is that correct? Uh, they you were talking about camp. The the, the sheet? No, 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 no. When kids can go to camp. Yeah, yeah. So, so how how early is worth it to start going to a school that you might be interested in start going to camp?
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I think there's a lot of different opinions on that. My personal opinion is like. Um, you know, if you go if you go to to a campus as a freshman or sophomore, there's still a lot of value to it because you're still getting on a campus, you're still getting in front of a college staff. Uh, you can interact with a lot of the players that are there playing for that college. You know, they'll typically be working the camp, um, so you can you you can sleep in the dorms. You know, you can eat the food. You can uh, you can really experience a lot of about the college as a freshman or sophomore. You know, my argument would be that like. As a as a sophomore and junior are the are the key are the key years to go to a camp though, because that's kind of when you are the most recruitable age. Going into your junior year, uh, kind of the end spring of your sophomore year, going into your junior year, and all of your junior year is what I would say would be the key years to go to a camp, uh, because then you can expect them to really start to watch you. I think being a freshman is still really young, certainly on the on the on the boys side. Um, and your body's going to continue to physically mature. You're going to change a lot over the next couple years. So I would suggest sophomore and freshman year as, or sophomore and junior year as the two main years to focus on for camps.
1: Okay. That's, I think that's, that's very important.
0: Uh, now, let's see if we
1: have any questions here that we missed. In other words, here's one that says, how, can you read that one? Uh, I don't know if you can see it.
0: I saw. I see one about highlight videos and showcases. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, so I think a, a highlight video is a really important tool for a player to kind of showcase and, and market themselves. You know, so uh, and a lot of these kids now they are so much better on technology than you and me. You know, like we can't even start a, a an Instagram live, but these guys are like geniuses on here. So, um, you know, they can cut and edit a, a film from their uh, from their phone. They don't even need a computer. So. Uh, I think it's a really powerful tool. I think the 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 trick is getting your games filmed. So if there's one parent in the club or if the club can invest in filming games and doing it, you know, it doesn't have to be like so, from so far away. You want to be close enough with the view to see the players, but it will benefit everybody if one of the parents can film, you know, or you can hire somebody to do it. Um, and that honestly can be something that, if you make that highlight video a coach in california who has probably will never come to maryland to see you play uh has the chance to see you play the internet is an incredible thing so you can send out that video to every coach in the country you know in a matter of hours really of just doing some research and finding some email addresses and uh i think a lot of coaches that's that's how they handle their recruiting it's cheaper they don't have to fly anywhere they don't have to stay in hotels they can do it from their couch, they can do it from their office, and they can really target specific areas and specific positions. Um, and you can really, you know use that, that highlight video to really, really market yourself. Uh, and the other thing about a highlight video is you can clip it the way you want. You can find your best plays, and you can showcase all of your strengths. You don't see too many highlight videos that have players' weaknesses in them, you know? whereas if you invite a coach to come out to see you and he comes out to see you and you have a bad game that's it you know like sometimes you only get one chance and if you're not on that day uh, you know it's going to take a really good coach to see like uh you know he had a bad game but i still like this and that about him so um you know playing and playing live is always a crap shoot you never know how good the opponent's going to be or what your what your game's going to be like that day so um, you know, you just always want to, want to keep that in mind. But I would, I would say highlight videos are awesome. But I also think that once a coach sees you play on a highlight video, he also might want to follow up and see you play live before he makes, like, a scholarship offer or invites you to campus or, or offers a roster spot. But everybody recruits differently. So, All
1: right. How, how hard or what are
0: um, – yeah, how
1: hard is it to get a scholarship? Oh, oh, oh there, there are many ways to get help. Can you elaborate a little bit on that? I think that that's something that everybody would like to hear.
0: Yeah, I mean, again, good players get found, you know, and good players continue to rise. So uh, that that's the first part. Uh, you need to help yourself academically, you know, with, with uh, being able to get into the schools. As we said, uh, it, it is difficult, though. You know, I mean, it's it's a very difficult thing to get. A division one scholarship it's very difficult to play division three soccer you know it's, it's division three soccer there's a lot of division three soccer programs that could beat a lot of division one programs so it's not like it's like uh you know anything crazy where only the best teams are in division one there's a there's a there's a, a lot of really good teams in division three and there's a lot of teams in division one that you know uh, could probably lose to those teams so Uh, it's very different. There's also a lot of very good players in division three that just said that was the school for them. This is the school that is the best fit for me. And this is where I want to go. So um, that's, that's, that's something to consider as well. But yeah, I would say it's very difficult. You know, it it is a very difficult process. um, But you also need to know how to help yourself. You know, like if you are a strong academic uh, student athlete, you will help yourself and you can qualify for, for money so there's a lot of players that play division one soccer that don't have scholarships i would probably say that the you know the majority of division one players aren't on full certainly aren't on full rides there's just not enough full rides so and when you say not enough full rides, uh, i
1: think parents and players need to understand yeah it's a percentage correct players are in a in a, in a percentage
0: percentage based scholarship correct so so at, at for a men's Division One soccer program, they have 9.9 full-ride scholarships annually per year. They have basically 10 players who will be on full rides. That's, that's, how, that's the max that they could have. Now, they can chop, they can chop it up and say, you know, we're going to make it all half scholarships. So then they have, you know, 20 players that would receive some portion of a scholarship. But the max they could have is 10 players. It's not even – no, you, can, you can combine
1: that percentage of scholarship with financial aid correct that, What's that? that can help you. you can combine or you can help yourself right or the, the, the school can help that player if if that player can qualify for financial
0: aid correct absolutely so the player the player has good enough uh, grades you know academically they can they can have some academic money and they can also have um, you know, they can have an uh, athletic scholarship, but what uh, I think something that a lot of, a lot of players and families need to hear is that, um, you're going to apply to a school and you're also going to fill out a form that's called a, a FAFSA form. So it's, it stands for federal application for student, student aid. So basically it's a, it's a financial form that's based off of their parents' taxes from the, from the last year. And based on that money, uh, what's going to happen is that, uh, the school is going to going to say this is how much you would need to come to school here, so you know this is how much your parents made last year. you have a certain amount of bills. this is how much we 're going to say you would need to come to school here, and whatever that amount is let 's say let 's say it 's thirty thousand dollars ten thousand dollars whatever it might be. A lot of schools will meet that need if they like the player if they like the student they like him you know they like his profile and they want him involved so they can meet, it's called meet, meeting need. They so meet. basically at that point, Nate, that that student
1: athlete becomes a full scholarship kid.
0: Yeah, so
1: it's just, it's just not
0: at, uh, athletic aid. So there's all sorts of aid that, that makes up, if a school costs $30,000 for the year, it's just about how you're going to make up that $30,000. So if I'm a good enough soccer player, I get a $15,000 scholarship each year. Now I just have to pay $15,000 each year. And if my family couldn't afford it, you know, they, they could, we had a $15,000 need, but I was a high enough academic profile. uh, The school could be able to assist me with portions of that. Maybe even the whole thing. If I had, you know, good enough academic profile, uh, the school could give me some, some academic money. So, every school is different with the rules some schools uh will not allow you to to receive both types of aid so you have to pick if you will select the the coaching staff will basically walk you through it if you're gonna if they're gonna give you the athletic aid or the academic aid whereas other schools you are allowed to receive both so it's a very challenging and confusing part yeah this this has to be a
1: very important question or something that parents and players should have in in mind to ask this question ahead of time right if the school allows them to do both because yeah. that's kind of what you want to
0: be absolutely and and they you know the the, the coaching staff if they only have these 10 scholarships to manage uh they're going to manage them as best they can and they're they're not going to give this they're going to give the scholarships you know to the players that that really need them because they're being recruited by other schools or they're being you know the kid maybe he doesn't qualify for any, any academic aid or any financial aid, right? So, and he, he, his need is, he doesn't have any need. His family is very wealthy maybe. So, um, so I think a, a lot of people, you know, uh, certainly if, if you're, if finances are are a uh, challenge for your family, it's easy to just say, well, I don't have the money to go to college and you stop thinking about it, right? But, you know, you really need to to, to go through the steps and uh, and go through the process to see what's available for you, you know, and there's a lot of different community scholarships that are available. If you're a a resident of PG County or you're a resident of, you know, Anne Arundel County, there's certain scholarships for that county. If you are a minority, there's certain scholarships for, you know, being a minority at at every college, you know, Uh, and certainly, you know, the, the academic scholarships far outweigh the athletic scholarships at every university. So, uh, 10 scholarships is not a lot of scholarships like like i said that's that's not even a, a starting 11 so if you see a uh you know starting 11 division 1 college soccer team it's like somebody on that starting 11 doesn't have a, a full ride that's just how it works but the majority of college division 1 college athletes don't have full rides it's just how it that's,
1: works so so in, in order to give yourself a chance right uh to get some type of help what parents and kids should be doing now is definitely concentrating on the academic aspect because that's what opens up a lot of the doors in the long run because you don't have the grades. You don't have the right scores in the test, right? I mean, you're just limiting yourself um, to be able to be accepted at at
0: any school. Absolutely. No, there's no doubt about that. So you have to focus on that. And that's something you can control, you know, like you can't control coaches' opinions about you. You can't control – who comes to your games, but you can control the academics, right? You can control the the effort you put into it. I would say taking tests, you know, taking uh, practice tests, the practice SAT, and uh, focusing on the academic side of it is a big one, but also filling out the FAFSA, and I can send you a link, Jose, if you want to send it out, but it's- Yeah, if you, can, if you can type it, I don't know if you can type it in, in
1: the comments there. Yeah, so, so it's just it.
0: F-A-F-S-A, and it's, it's all capital letters, but, uh, you know, there's a website for that. If you just Google it, the sooner somebody can fill that out, the better. And basically you get an, an ID, a FAFSA ID, a FAFSA pin, and then you can select where you want that FAFSA to go to. So when I fill it out, I can say, I want this to go to Maryland, Virginia, Virginia Tech, Georgetown, American, you know, Goucher, Frostburg, and it, it will just ping out to those schools. Um and then that, that will kind of start the process from that school. So the admissions office is going to handle if you get into the school, the admissions office is going to handle what your finances are. The admissions office is going to handle uh, your all the academics. The coach is not even allowed to get involved with it. So he 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 will not even be allowed to, you know, talk you through that. He's just going to get something back from the admissions department and he's going to say, here's what you qualify for in addition, we want to offer you this athletic scholarship, or they don't. You know, it's it's different.
1: Now let me ask you this: Can you get um, help at Division One, Two, and Three, or just Division
0: One and Two? Acad- uh, uh, athletic help. Uh, athletic help, yes. Yes, yeah, so Division One and Division Two, you can get athletic aid. You can get paid to to play. So it's literally like a like a you know a contract, like a professional athlete you're getting paid by the university to go to school there, uh, they pay your tuition. So division one and division two they have athletic scholarships. Division three does not. But they do have financial aid. Finan- it comes down to financial aid, academic aid, all that. All the all the other stuff. Yep. You Still,
1: regardless, you know, if you're in division three, you still can get help. Um, In other ways, it's just not, not,
0: uh, not soccer money. Absolutely. Absolutely. And again, it's, uh, you know, I think a lot of people it's easy to to take a look in the mirror and look at their circumstances or, you know, the the cards they were dealt and think that college is out of, out of uh, question for them. And it couldn't be further from the truth. You know, like there's so many uh, different colleges out there. There's so many different soccer programs out there. There's so many different, Uh, schools that are looking for different profiles. So, you know, every school also wants to have a variety of students. They want students from all, you know, every state, you know, they want students from every background. It it helps the college to have that profile uh, and to have that variety. So um, they, you know, it's, it's very, it's a very good thing to uh, continue to look into what might be available for you.
1: Okay, now, uh, thank you so much for that info. There's so much information for sure. And this is one of the reasons why I want you to do this because I know that, and this is the reason why you came out with its Placement, uh, your your own company. This is something you do. Can you explain to us what does your company does um, and how are you helping families out through this process? And, uh, you know, can you put yourself available for our families that would like to use your services for this type of help.
0: Yeah. So, so again, kind of every, every college that I've been at, I I, I was at four division three schools and two division one schools on, on the coaching staffs there. And uh, I feel like I had a a pretty well-rounded experiences with uh, just seeing, you know, what, how different coaching staffs recruited, uh, what different campuses were like, the profile of of the different schools and, you know, it just kind of shaped, I think this shaped me into a coach where I was able to kind of naturally speak about that process of the recruitment process and, you know, the getting onto campus and taking official visits and unofficial visits and those sort of things. So uh, through that and through some of the clubs I've worked with, uh, just kind of being the the liaison who spoke to these families, it just kind of occurred to me that I, you know, it's a confusing process. It's, it's a difficult process to manage. So what I try to do with Kish Soccer Placement is just kind of get in front of families and get in front of players and uh, um, educate them on the process, educate them on the subjects we just talked about, uh, educate them on you know, uh, any questions that they might have or emails that might come into their inbox or, you know, work with a, a player and a family, uh, you know, from freshman year on to say, well, what should I be doing this year? What's my checklist of what I need to do this year? And then when they become a sophomore, how how is my uh, checklist different this year, junior and senior year? what How is this different? You know, now that I'm a, a recruitable, contactable age, uh, what do I need to be doing? So it's taking a, a player and a family on and working with them uh, closely, and holding the player accountable to make sure that they're doing what they need to do because it's up to the player. You know, it's, it's the player's process. It's really not the parents that should be responsible for this. The player has to show well on the field. The player has to send the emails and invite the coaches out. The player has to go and visit um, the, uh, the, the campus, the player has to start the relationships and maintain the relationships with the coaches. So, uh, it's, it's just kind of educating the, the players and the parents on that process and then holding them accountable through that. So, yeah, you know, obviously I'm here on Instagram. I have an Instagram that I'm running and then uh, a website as well. And I get out into the community and do some some seminars, uh, you know, with, with different clubs and, uh, you know, just try to continue to, to, to get information out there. Can you
1: uh, share your website, uh, please, on the comments section so the parents have it? And how soon families – because i think this is this is uh, a tremendous idea that you have uh to provide this type of to this type of help uh because there's so much information there's so many ways things can go and i think having that type of support can be fantastic for for the kids yeah. uh how soon how soon families should be thinking about contacting cash placement yeah like i said i think freshman
0: year is 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 good you know but i think it also comes with um knowing that like uh, as a freshman and a sophomore, the, the, you are very restricted. There's not much that you can do, um, you know, as a as a uh, as a player. There's not in terms of getting contact back from the coaches. Certainly, as a junior and senior, it it's, uh, it revs up for you a bit. So, uh, but I think there's everybody's everybody's different. Everybody's curious about the process, and it's never too early to start. So, I would say as a freshman in high school, uh, is, is some of the the players and the families that I work with. All the way up until you know current seniors right now, who are in their senior year. So um, it's really that those four years of, of high school. Uh, but I would say the majority of the families I, I work with are, are juniors right now. You know they're pretty but deep in, into the process.
1: Let me kind of reinforce and, and correct me if I'm wrong. What you just said, uh, you know that the sooner they start working with you, right, you get to know the player, you get to know the families, right, and that also can be used as a reference for the players later on when you're talking to coaches absolutely
0: right? yeah absolutely and a part of what I try to do is review the players highlight videos review the players uh, you know college soccer resume review the come out and see the player live if I, if I can certainly if my schedule allows and um, and you know just just give them feedback on what they're doing you know like here's where I think you should be targeting this is the level of college I think you should be looking at this is you know what just what I think your highlight video looks like right now and here's some suggestions for it. So, um, and it's always with the idea of helping that player to give themselves the best chance to find, you know, a good fit. I also try to help with like the the college recruitment, you know, the, the application process and telling them, you know, ways they can simplify the application process and trying to hold them accountable for which schools they visited. And sometimes it's just a text or an idea of, Hey, have you seen this website? Hey, have you done this? Hey, you know Maryland's playing next week. You should go over and check the game out. So it's just different ideas in a, in a relationship that I form with the the player and the in the in the families.
1: Okay, uh, parents, you guys have any questions? Uh, by the way, uh, uh, Nate is is uh, bilingual, as well, so he I know that uh, <laughs> yeah. the, US, the U.S. Soccer
0: Federation. What are you guys taking classes, right? yeah we were taking uh well through dc united we were taking some uh some spanish classes but it's uh it's muy difficile for me it's (laughs) it's very very difficult uh,
1: that is a plus right for 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 parents uh guys anybody has any any questions we're gonna wrap this up here another nate Nate has a little one too that probably needs to be put to bed soon yeah she's sleeping Uh, i'm not
0: too loud to wake her up i saw a couple (laughs) questions there i saw uh go ahead somebody, somebody said is division 1 just uh based off the size of the school and that's that's uh that's not true so basically division 1 um yeah i think there's a lot of schools out there that you would think might be division 1 and and they're not and there's a lot of schools that you might think uh you know are division 3 and they might be division 1 but typically you know you know most of the division 1 schools like they're typically the you know the larger more popular institutions um, but there's also some that, you know, the division one schools that are very, very small. And I'll, I'll use wake forest again as an example, like wake forest was about 5,000, 4,000 students. When I was there, Duke university is a very small university. If you're talking about just on campus, the on-campus population. So, and there's some division three schools, you know, their sports are division three and they have 10, 20, 30,000 students. So, um, Again, it comes down to what, where are you comfortable? And I think a lot of people will say, well, I'm comfortable at a big Division One school. I want a big school. But then they go to a Division Three school, and it's a big school. It's a big campus. There's a lot of kids. Uh, and they get that same feeling at a Division Three school. So it really comes down to what, what you want, you know. Uh, I saw another question that said, what's the Division One schedule like? Um, right now, Division One is actually – they're trying to make – uh, everything into a full year schedule i don 't know if you knew that jose but they 're trying no. to they 're trying to basically make soccer go year round in division one because it 's more like professional soccer. it 's right, not, right. not just in the fall but uh it's it's it 's been difficult for them to change the uh you know the whole change that whole structure it's i think it 's more money it 's more time the, it's it 's more you know more demanding on facilities and things like that but uh, Sasho Sirovsky, the head coach at the University of Maryland, is kind of the guy heading that whole thing up. But basically, Division One schedule and Division Three schedules are, are very, very similar in the fall. There's uh, restrictions on the number of hours that you can play. And then uh, the big difference happens in the spring. In the spring, when you come back basically after the holidays, Division 3 you're not really allowed to practice. You only have, I think, like two weeks of practice. And then you have uh, like one day of competition, and then Division One basically you have a you have limited hours in the first few weeks, first couple months maybe, and then you as you go into the uh, later into the the uh, the spring you can play competitions and you get more hours of training. You can play uh, I believe up to five uh, matches in the in the spring, and a lot of the Division One schools actually made like a little they've they formed kind of competitions in the spring now where they're playing against other teams in their, uh, their conferences. So uh, the spring is the big difference between, the, school, between the, the divisions.
1: Okay. All right. I think that was uh, very valuable information, Nate. We appreciate your, uh, your time, your information. And uh, hopefully we can do this, uh, you know, one of these again. Once things open up a little bit, stay safe, and we hope to see you
0: around soon. No, absolutely. I appreciate the time, Jose, and uh my apologies for not being able to uh deliver in all in Spanish. So uh, <laughs> appreciate it. Thank you so much. Have a good night. All right, thank Jose, you guys. Take care. Bye.